grace and peace of Christ our Lord be with us all as we gather sharing still in this Lenten journey, drawing closer and closer each day to the cross. It is a, a blessing to be able to make this journey with you. Grateful for those who may be visiting this morning. Just a reminder uh, of the registration paths we find to your left or right. It helps us to know of you sharing in worship as we gather at First Church this morning. Again, we are in the season of Lent, so I hope we're being responsive to that invitation to observe a holy Lent. One of the ways by which to do that is to share in the Lenten daily Bible readings. We have these pamphlets available still, and you'll see as well the scriptures for the upcoming week for each day listed before you in the bulletin. These scriptures, particularly for each Tuesday, serve to guide us through our Tuesday night Bible study that meets here in the Fellowship Hall. We meet at 645. All are invited to be a part of that. Each Tuesday at noon, the women's study of the women of Easter takes place in the ministry center. Uh, that will continue for a couple of more weeks. Uh, at the same time each Tuesday, there are Lenten services coordinated by the local clergy association. This coming Tuesday, that study preceded by, uh, or excuse me, that, that time of worship will be preceded by lunch and then a, a brief service of worship. That will be at First Presbyterian this Sunday, excuse me, this Tuesday. And one of the preachers from Starling Avenue Baptist will lead worship. Uh, we host that service on Tuesday, March the 20th. Uh, I will be <coughs> preaching as part of that series on Tuesday, March the 6th, at the Disciples of Christ Church on Mulberry. Uh, be attentive to these other opportunities to support the uh, Grace Network, to support our food bank that we find in our bulletins. And a reminder as well that in preparation for next Sunday's services, uh, we will share in a covenant renewal service, and again, the link to that uh, is in this morning's bulletin. It's been part of the pastor's letters. Uh, just a, an invitation, especially in the season of Lent, to participate in this traditional service that's been a part of the Methodist movement since the beginning, the covenant renewal service. I look forward to sharing in that service with you. We prepare now to worship God together.
Our call to worship is before us. I invite us to stand and to share responsibly in this call. We come to worship this morning from different places. We come to worship this morning for different reasons. We experience the presence of the Spirit in different ways. We hear Jesus' words with different ears. Take up, deny yourselves. Take up your cross. Follow me. Sing Lift High the Cross, number 159. <clears throat>
remembering this season as a season inviting repentance and confession. A prayer of confession is before us. We will see that we share this together. There will be a, a pause for silent reflection uh, in the midst of this prayer. Uh, and then I will call us to resume praying after observing that silence. We go to God as we pray. Merciful God, Jesus revealed the great depth of your love in his determination to defeat evil, even when this meant giving up his own life. Forgive us, O God, when we allow the power of evil to flourish because we fear that taking up one's cross would be too costly an exercise. We continue. Gracious and loving God, forgive our lack of trust in you. Have mercy on us and forgive us. Help us when we hesitate and strengthen us when we are weak. Breathe your spirit afresh into our hearts and minds, our lives, so that we have the courage to follow Jesus wherever he takes us. God's love for us is such that while we were yet sinners, he gave his own son to die for us. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Christ, you are forgiven. <coughs> Thanks be to God. We prepare to hear the word of God. Good morning. The scripture for this morning comes from Psalm 22, verses 22 through 31. I will tell of thy name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise thee. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you sons of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you sons of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hid his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From thee comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Yea, to him shall all the proud of the earth bow down, before him shall bow down all who go down to the dust, and he who cannot keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. Men shall tell of the Lord to the coming generation, and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn, that he has wrought it. The word of God for the people of God. <laughs>
I wish to invite our children to come forward. We share now in our children's time. Caden, you're a brave young man. And I'm grateful. Looks like we have some company on the way. Harris and Sally. Good morning. I'm glad you're here. On this kind of dreary day, but it's the temperatures have been so nice. So nice. Well, if you ever come to my office, well, good morning, Lyle. And I invite you to do so. You're welcome anytime. You'll see that I've got some plants in there. I've got such nice lighting in my office, and big windows, and it's wonderful for my plants. Well, as I came in this morning, I saw that I needed to water these plants. There's some of them. So I took my watering pitcher, got an African violet there, and I've got some other plants, and I added water to them. Now, what would happen if I did not water them? They would die. They would die. So that's not a good thing, right? We don't want that. It wouldn't look nice, and they'd be all dreary and droopy and neglected. So fortunately, I've got this pitcher, grab some water, and keep them going. Well, we hear us talk about this being the season of, you remember what season we're talking about in the church year? It's the season of, anyone? Lent. And we talk about that as a season in which we may give up something for Lent, or we may do something that we may not do during the other times of the year, like read scripture, or pray, or serve, or just spend time with God. And the way we do that, especially in the season of Lent, again, pray or read scripture or serve others, spend time with God, is a way of keeping our spiritual lives alive so that we don't dry up, so that we aren't neglected, so that we are fresh and grow in service to God. So just as we don't want to not water our plants for fear of what might happen to them, we don't want to neglect some of those practices or some of those behaviors that Lent invites us to. Prayer, reading scripture, spending time with God, spending time here in worship, learning uh, some new songs, singing songs, being with other people in worship. By doing that, especially in the season of Lent, and then we hope even beyond Lent, we grow and we thrive and we please God. So I'm going to remind us, just as we need to take care of our plants by tending to them and watering them, So we need to tend to our spiritual lives, our our relationship with God, by being attentive to some wonderful life-giving behavior. So I'm grateful to be able to do that with you as part of this church and thankful for you being here and sharing in this time of worship today. And I'm going to ask us to pray before we go to church. We thank you, God, for this church, for prayer, for the Bible, And for this season, help us, Lord, to draw closer to you by prayer, by worship, by your Bible, and by being with one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, children. We stand as we sing from the faith we sing.
number 2130. <laughs>
gospel lesson this morning comes from Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 38. And Jesus went with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do men say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Christ. And he charged them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not on the side of God, but of men. And he called to him the multitude with his disciples and said to them, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his life? For what can a man give in return for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Kathy. William Willimon, retired United Methodist Bishop and longtime faculty member at Duke Divinity School, recalls walking the grounds of the awe-inspiring Duke Chapel at the school's campus in Durham. Walking with Willimon was the late Will Campbell. I mentioned Will Campbell in worship a few <coughs> weeks ago, recalling a baptism he performed about which he writes in his book, Forty Acres and a Goat. Campbell, a Baptist preacher, was a gifted speaker, though one whose language could at times be too salty for church ears. As Willimon and Campbell walked the ground on which Duke Chapel stands, Willimon spoke proudly of the grandeur of the chapel, its stained glass, its Gothic arches, its vaulted ceilings. Stopping to take it in, these two gifted, though quite different leaders in the Christian church halls, silently admiring this impressive place of worship. It is Will Campbell who breaks the silence. He does so saying, well, Jesus has come a hell of a long way from Bethlehem, hasn't he? Well, apparently Jesus has come a long way from Bethlehem, judging by these places in which we worship him, including this place. Like you, I have been in many places of worship. I have been in enough to know that few places of worship are as impressive as this one. The stained glass, the organ, baptismal font, even the lighting. If you take a close look at the lighting, you'll see all kinds of wonderful Christian symbolism adorning the lighting. This is a, a glorious place. In this place, 
we are proud to claim the words of Peter, his response to Jesus' question, you are the Christ. No, this is not Duke Chapel, but we have no complaints. We know this place is more than sufficient, more than enough to tell us Jesus has come a long way from Bethlehem. In this place with great clarity and certainty, we speak the words, you are the Christ. How could there be any doubt? Here we feel at peace, we find refuge, we feel the presence of the holy. You are the Christ, we say, in this place which for this morning is Caesarea Philippi for us. You are the Christ, we say, and we are right. But we are not finished. This confession is correct, it is inspired, it is faithful, but it's not complete. If it is complete, then Jesus need not continue his conversation with Peter. We notice the conversation continues beyond Peter's confession. The conversation <laughs> continues with Jesus telling the disciples he is to suffer many things. He will be rejected by elders, chief priests, scribes. He will be killed, yet live again. We are told Jesus said this plainly. Apparently, Peter does not like this turn in the conversation. He takes Jesus, we are told, and begins to rebuke him. Jesus turns, sees his disciple, rebukes Peter in the strongest of terms, get behind me, Satan, for you are not on the side of God, but of men. An ugly, awkward turn in this conversation. What has happened? We notice Peter's response to the question of Jesus, who do you say that I am, is correct. You are the Christ. We notice Jesus has no problem with this response. After this response, Jesus moves on to speak of the life and death awaiting him as the Christ. We notice it is only after he does this the conflict arises between Jesus and Peter. So what is it that happens between Peter's confession, you are the Christ, and the rebuke of Jesus, get behind me, Satan? Jesus has defined how life lived as the Christ is shaped. This is to say, to understand Jesus rightly as the Christ means we are to understand Jesus the Christ as one who suffers, who is rejected, who is killed. Could it be that's the source of conflict between Jesus and Peter? That's to say, Peter is fine with confessing Jesus is the Christ as long as the Christ is not one to suffer, to be rejected, to be killed. Jesus says to Peter, the Christ is to suffer, be rejected, be killed. Peter says no. And to be honest, we understand Peter's rebuke. It was less than two weeks ago we gathered in this place of worship. It was Ash Wednesday. A bowl of ashes was placed prominently before us in this glorious place of worship. We came forward we received upon our foreheads in these ashes 
the mark of the cross. It was a personal, intimate, humbling gesture. I don't know what this experience means for you, and I don't know how this experience of worship feels for you to come forward, to feel, to receive this dark, ashen mark of the cross. As for me, I find it to be a, a very humbling experience. I find it an experience that whether I want it to or not sets me apart as one who wants to follow Jesus, tries to follow Jesus, often fails at following Jesus. It is an experience inviting questions, puzzled looks, having received the mark of the cross during the noon service of Ash, of, of Ash Wednesday. There were visits and errands to which I had to attend. So as I visited King's Grant, the hospital stopped at Aldi's, mark of the cross upon my forehead. I found there were those who looked at me curiously, more curious than usual. An elderly gentleman asked, what's with that mark on your forehead? I responded to him, it's Ash Wednesday. Oh, he responded, perhaps then saying to himself, what's Ash Wednesday? Having trouble at the gas pump after the evening Ash Wednesday service, I walked into the gas station. As soon as I entered the doors, a cashier says to me, you've got something on your head. <laughs> it's Ash Wednesday, I respond. He nods his head, smiles, as if to say, whatever. But like you, I returned home, stood before the mirror, removed from my forehead the dark, sooty smudge of the cross. Or did I? You see, we really do not remove the mark of the ashes from us, especially in this season. We wear this mark of the cross, carry it with us, even now, especially now. We wear the cross even within this impressive place of worship. And we understand it's, it's not the most pleasant of ideas. We may feel the weight of this cross, may feel the humility, the self-denial, all at the heart of the message of the cross. And we understand, we understand why it is Peter rebukes Jesus for speaking of his suffering, his rejection, his death. This past Friday morning found Paula and me in our garage. The nice temperatures of late, the impending arrival of spring, inspired us to do some fun, fun spring cleaning. So we went in there to try to rid ourselves of some clutter. Taking up space in our garage were boxes of some paperwork I carried along when we moved to Martinsville. Boxes, I doubt, have been opened since. Going through the multitude of files in one of these boxes, I found correspondence and cards I had received dating back several years. There were birthday cards, Father's Day cards, sympathy cards. There were also some note cards I received from a church I served in the West End of Richmond. Notes of well wishes I received as I left that church. Now, during my service to this particular church, the church and I often differed greatly 
over the direction and vision of the church. Still, I was especially grateful to take part in a ministry called Caritas. Caritas stands for Congregations Around Richmond Involved to Assure Shelter. As part of this ministry, this church I served one week each February provided shelter and meals for about 40 homeless men from the Richmond area. And for me and for many in the church, this was a highlight of the church year. This ministry received the support of all ages in the church. Meals were served at the church. Lunches were packed for the men to take to work each day. Toiletry bags were prepared. Youth, including my daughters, enjoyed playing games with the men each week evening after supper. It's a great memory. So as I go through correspondence in our garage Friday morning, I find this note card from a member of the church, a note card with nice, attractive, legible handwriting. Imagine that. Dated February 8th, 2005. I share the message within this note card. Dear Keith, we are truly sorry to hear of your problems at St. Andrews. I hope all will straighten out. A couple of remarks, however. Get rid of Caritas. Look at your members. Most of them are old. They've cleaned out their closets already for past years. They've given this donation many times. Worry more about the church and its people within, not strangers who show up once a year. Stop begging for money unless it's a family in need in St. Andrews. Think of you and the church first. And she signed her name. Now, I share this not to pick on or be critical of this woman. We know she is not the only member of a church giving her pastor this advice. Instead, I share this as a reminder each of us understands why it is Peter rebukes Jesus. Jesus, what do you mean, suffer, be rejected, and be killed? Who wants to sign up for that? Jesus, what do you mean, deny yourself, take up the cross? Jesus, what is this talk about losing our lives? I don't get it. Wouldn't it be better for us to worry about ourselves and those within this group, not the stranger who shows up every now and then? Can't we just think about ourselves and those like us? We understand Peter's rebuke. I hope we also understand the rebuke of Jesus. Now we know there are many ways Jesus could respond to Peter. He could shake his head, let out a deep sigh, mutter under his breath, Peter, Peter, Peter. Jesus could respond in stern tones, much as a parent responds to a child who speaks a word she should not speak, a child who then defends herself by saying, well, that's how that Baptist preacher Will Campbell talks. Jesus could respond with laughter, saying, there you go again, Peter, all impulsive and reactive and high-strung, Whatever am I going to do with you? These options, all before Jesus, he chooses none of them. Because apparently, given Peter's rebuke, only one option will do, 
Get out of my way, Satan. Peter wants nothing to do with Jesus' language of suffering, rejection, self-denial, the cross. Jesus can only describe such a response as satanic. Jesus says any understanding of life as his disciple that does not include self-denying, that does not include dying to self, does not include the cross, is an understanding nothing other than satanic. Any understanding of discipleship, doing away with self-denial, sacrifice, the cross, says Jesus, has everything to do with Satan and nothing to do with God. <coughs> Any correspondence, no matter how impressive the handwriting, saying worry more about the church and its people within, not strangers, think of you and the church first, it appears, judged by the words of Jesus, has more to do with Satan than with God. We understand then why it is we carry with us still the mark of the cross. Like Cain, marked by God after he killed his brother, so we remain marked, aware of our rebuke of Jesus. Still by this mark, we know the grace of God. By this grace, we leave Caesarea Philippi, drawn day by day to the cross in which we are given life. I invite us to respond to the word. We stand and affirm our faith with words of scripture from 1 Timothy, number 889. There is one God and there is one mediator, Christ Jesus, who came as a ransom for all to whom we testify. This day is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners and was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believing throughout the world, taken up in glory, praying
invite us to find our places so that we may receive the morning offering, worshiping God as we receive his tithes and our offering. I'll invite our ushers to come forward, and as the um, offering is being received this morning, Ray Harm, our finance chair, will uh, offer a message. Appropriate that, that this happens within the time of worship. It is a worshipful and celebratory message. Uh, and certainly we're wanting to respond to this community of faith in regard to the many conversations we've had regarding finances over the past year plus. So again, I'll invite our ushers to come forward. We will offer the prayer. The ushers will receive the morning offering. And as they do so, Ray will speak. Thank you, Ray. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you call us again. You never give up on us. And we thank you that you bless us and equip us, entrusting to us many resources for ministry. May these gifts return to you. Be of great blessing to many of your children throughout your world. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. As chairperson and a representative of the Finance Committee, I want to thank each of you for the financial commitment you have made to your Lord and to your church, which will continue to impact the many missions of First United Methodist Church. In 2016, we shared concern for the condition of our finances. We had passed a budget with a six-figure deficit, which meant we would continue on a three-year trend of expenses exceeding revenue. At that time, the Finance Committee committed to reaching a balanced budget, expenses level with offerings within three years. We are in the second year of that commitment. Our eight, 2018 budget is once again unbalanced with expenses exceeding offerings, but at a reduced percentage when compared to 2017. So that's summary. In summary, we are on plan from a budgetary perspective. Now from a stewardship perspective, we all should be thankful how each of us have responded to the messages delivered throughout 2016 and 2017. Those messages were delivered by various program advocates during this portion of our Sunday service, sharing the impact of our various missions on our members in the Martinsville-Henry County community. The purpose of these messages was to not only say thank you for your support, but also to ask for your continued support. I'm happy to report that in 2017, our offerings exceeded expenses. In fact, our offerings also exceeded our budget and our previous giving totals from both 2016 and 2015. And it, in each case, this reversed a three-year negative or declining trend. Our offerings were up 14% when compared to 2016 and up 3% over 2015. In addition, in 2017, we received pledges from 50% of our giving members, while in 2016, 40% of our members committed. These pledges do not necessarily have any impact on giving, but they do assist greatly in the planning and managing of the budget. Karen asked that I share that if you've not submitted a commitment, it would 
like to, she will be more than happy to accept those uh, pledges. So uh, we would welcome that. On the expense side of the budget, we had great management of our program expenses by staff and all our various committees, and we did have lower personnel expense. So we are managing this side of the budget very effectively. I should also note that we did reduce our expenses by paying off the remaining debt on the Uptown Ministry Center. This was accomplished by generous donations from the congregation, as well as funds from the trustees and the church operating account. We should all be proud of this great facility and the opportunity it presents for ministering to our community. As a result of our increases in offerings and reduction in our expenses, our 2017 results reflect a surplus balance. What happens to that surplus? A portion will be directed towards future facility maintenance, which a rainy day fund and the, for maintenance, and the remainder helps to balance against previous year's negative results. Are we out of the woods? We certainly have broken a couple of very concerning negative trends, and we have begun new positive trends. Offerings, pledges, and expenses are all trending as we would all like, but, with emphasis on but, we need continued and expanded support for these trends to continue on a positive direction. I am confident that with our Lord's guidance, we can make that happen. Thank you all again.
go to God as we pray, sharing in the prayers of the people, the responses we find in our bulletins. I will offer various petitions of prayer, concluding each with the words, the day of the Lord is coming, inviting from you the response, he abounds in steadfast love. And then we pray as Christ has taught us, we go to God in prayer. Creator of the nations, your bold covenant with Abraham and Sarah is still being kept. Help us walk before you, grateful to be recipients of your faithful promises. The day of the Lord is coming. Lord God, you do not despise the laments of those in need. You promise that the poor shall eat and be satisfied and the yet unborn will proclaim your mercy. The day of the Lord is coming. Holy Spirit, you turn our hearts toward faith as the means by which we know we are your children. Keep us from wavering in our trust in Jesus, who was handed over to death for us and raised for our salvation. The day of the Lord is coming. Lord Jesus Christ, like Peter, not knowing how formidable are our enemies, we would spare you and ourselves from suffering. Nevertheless, by your cross and passion, you have defeated sin, death, and all that would oppose you. The day of the Lord is coming. Heavenly Father, you so loved the world that you gave your only Son. It is the gift beyond all others, your divine love for us. Hear our prayer of thanks to you. The day of the Lord is coming. We ask you to care for those of this congregation who have needs and who are not able to be with us. We pray for your presence and healing. The day of the Lord is coming. Lord, hear our prayers as we seek to draw closer to you, to grow in faith and obedience in this holy 40 days. The day of the Lord is coming. And we pray as Christ has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Our closing hymn from the faith we sing, I have decided to follow Jesus.
we go from this place as the light of the world, the body of Christ, seeking to bless and bring good news of Christ to all we meet, and going together as we journey closer and closer to the cross of Christ. Go now in peace, in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.